have three lions, baby lions, that I pulled out of a habitat, and they're hiding in my bathroom. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome to a very different episode of the Rasafari Podcast. Y'all, uh, this episode is, well, I'm proud of this one. I think uh, not, not, not just because the episode's good, which it, it is, but because I'm proud of the facility that I visited and the person I spoke to. Um, so this week, you are getting my interview with Bobby Brink, which is not only definitely the name of a superhero, right? I mean, come on, this is straight out of Peter Parker, Marvel Comics, alliteration, Bobby Brink. Yes, absolutely a superhero, but also a real hero in the real world, because Bobby created... Lions, Tigers, and Bears Sanctuary, which is in San Diego, California. Now, this is my first time that I've had a large animal sanctuary on the podcast, and um, I'm going to throw you guys a content warning right now, okay? You're going to hear some of the stories of some of the animals that live and lived at this sanctuary, and they suck. Okay, there's a reason that these animals are living at a sanctuary, and that is because they needed to be saved. They needed to be given sanctuary. That's that's that. Yeah, that's what that means. Um, and so, yeah, you're you're going to hear some some interesting tales. Even the teaser at the beginning, obviously, that wasn't Bobby saying that she had lion cubs hidden away, but. Uh, that's just one of the stories that you're going to hear on this episode. Now, I will say this. In, in most of the cases, you know, there's a happy ending, which is that these animals get to leave the squalid, horrible conditions that they're in and end up at this amazing, gorgeous sanctuary in San Diego, California. Um, I love San Diego. I I. I just adore it there. It's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And um, I'll tell you what, lions, tigers, and bears, no exception. The exhibits, um, or really habitats is a better word, because even though they are open to the public, um, it's clear that the designs are made not with public viewing in mind. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, as you all know. Plenty of amazing facilities worry about people being able to see the animals as well as the animal welfare. But in this case, that's just not necessarily how things are set up. It's all about the animals. And then if people get to see them, cool. If not, bah, whatever. So yeah, this was one of the last interviews I got to do in California. And um, Bobby took me all around and showed me all of the animals and we got, you know, up close with a lot of them. Again, you know, these are protected contact animals and they are hands off, but, but, you know, 
up up close to their habitats and and we got to spend some time and I got to hear some stories of these animals and it was just idyllic and the animals are so clearly so happy and so clearly living their best lives. So I am excited to bring you this interview. So uh, let's get to a quick commercial. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. And just a quick reminder that you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ross Safari, and on TikTok at Ross Safari Pod. You're definitely going to want to make sure you're following along on uh, especially Insta or Facebook because I'm going to be posting some pictures from this sanctuary and showing you some of the amazing animals that you're going to hear about. Um, and just you'll see how gorgeous and and silly they are. So uh, yeah. All right, let's get to it. Without further ado, here is my interview with Bobby Brink of Lions, Tigers, and Bears Sanctuary. All right, so let's start off by me asking you who you are, where we are, and what your title is here. I'm Bobby Brink. Uh, we're at Lions, Tigers, and Bears in San Diego County in Alpine, California. And we are an animal, exotic animal rescue and education center. And, okay, so right off the bat, I just have to say, this is one of the most beautiful places I have ever been. I love it here. <laughs> I don't even want to do the interview. I want to go keep walking around. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, okay, so this is my first time having a sanctuary on. And I, I really want to start off um, by asking you about the difference between that and zoos. Um, normally I start right with asking about you, but I just, I want to get right to the heart of this. So what makes this a sanctuary and a rescue and not a zoo? Right. So that's exactly what a sanctuary is. It's a rescue. So every single animal on this place is a rescue and any true sanctuary will never buy, breed, sell, or trade animals. So, uh, a lot of times there are so, I mean, there's hundreds of sanctuaries that should never even dream of calling themselves a sanctuary. And a lot of them are the actual cause of the problem. So you have to be really careful. And I always tell people, if you're going to go to a sanctuary or you're going to give to a sanctuary, know your animals. Like know the animals that are there and know why they're there, know their story, and of course know when they die and why, you know, why they disappear. Because a lot of these places, they're just continuously breeding animals for nothing more than profit and just more are seeming to go out the back door than, you know, what are staying. So a sanctuary will always keep animals for life. So they live out their life in dignity. I love that. And, um, <laughs> and as we were talking, we'll share some of the stories with, with everyone here. Um, 
it's very obvious that that is exactly what is happening here, and mm-hmm. and y'all take it very seriously, and I love that. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about you for a minute. Now that we have that out of the way, um, what got you into this? Well, sometimes God just leads you in a different direction than you are going. But I was opening a restaurant in 1990 in Texas. I did my homework and went to the fastest growing city in Texas and started opening a restaurant when I was uh, looking for my restaurant equipment in the paper and the classified ads and just the normal classified ads. I kept seeing lions, tigers, leopards for sale. So I was curious and I, you know, kept seeing it and kept seeing, finally I answered the ad. I wanted to go look for myself. And the first woman that I went to, she lived on five acres. She had 30 breeding cats in her backyard and all kinds of babies crawling all over her mobile home floor. And you could take, (laughs) take one home today. Oh my God. So, um, not knowing anything at the time, I started volunteering with her and like just learning how to work around the animals and then. You just start seeing things that shouldn't be happening that were happening. So I just kind of kept my mouth shut, kept doing my thing and answered more ads and started looking. And I started uh, volunteering for a guy who had bears and um, he had them in these just small cages and just buckets for water and buckets for food. And so I just started like asking him all kinds of questions like where he takes the bears and he would never tell me. And then so I stopped, go- wanted to stop going there. But if I would stop, then the bears didn't have any food and water. I called everybody you could imagine to try to turn the guy in. And everyone would tell me the same thing. It's perfectly legal. As long as the bears have food and water and can stand up, turn around, it's perfectly legal. Which was Those are the requirements? In Texas, yes. I was beside myself. And so, of course, I kept trying to take care of the bears. But I did follow him one time when he was loading up the bears in the trailer. So I followed him from southwest Houston up to the Texas... um, Texas Arkansas border and he what he was doing was at a sporting conference it was like a hunting or outdoor sporting good conference he was setting up a pen and then this was in 1990 the guys would pay a thousand dollars to wrestle the bear and all the other guys would bet who's gonna win the guy with the bear or the guy so anyway not only were those dangerous bears that he was letting anybody go and feed he was just breeding bears for bear wrestling so it's amazing what these lack of a better word idiots will do to make money and and the photo opportunities are worse so never 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 get your picture taken with a with a baby animal here in the united states ever there's not one legitimate facility it's the worst thing we can do for the animals because to these people who do the photo ops they're disposable we know of uh, people in the country that do photo ops that breed a couple hundred cats a year and to them, they disappear. There's no federal tracking. They have to continue breeding to keep their business going. And these animals go right out the back door. We don't even know where most of them go, whether they go to a canned hunt ranch, they're killed, they're buried. There's just, there's no way to know. So don't do it. Yeah, do not do it. Um I, when I first pulled in here, like I said, the first thing that I saw was a sign that said cub petting and talked about the dangers of cub petting and everything. And I, I'm so appreciative of that. Um, the fact that you're not only here to educate about the animals, but to educate about that kind of stuff. Because I have to be honest with you, growing up, if I saw the opportunity to, to pet a cub, I would have pet all the cubs because who doesn't want to pet a cub until you know the problem? Mm-hmm. I rode an elephant as a kid because I didn't know that was like a problematic situation. They brought an elephant to a park near my house. 
And I wrote it. And it's a great memory until I, and now I'm like, oh. We've all done it. Yeah, of course. You don't know until you know. I actually really love that your story starts with you volunteering, like, because that seems awesome. But then you became an undercover detective, which is is kind of insane in the best way. I think that is that is so amazing. Um, wow, yeah, I knew um, I knew from just a little bit of our conversation this was going to be a hard episode, and it's already I already have tears in my eyes from what you're telling me a little bit. I, I that that's kicking my butt. But um, wow, okay, so how did you go from the bear situation to all of this? Because this is amazing. Right. So in uh, 1998, I came back here home, San Diego's home, and um, Mark and I wanted to help some leopards, which from Texas that supposedly needed some help. So the deal was we would pay to build the habitat and uh, she would spay and neuter and they would live out their life there. Well, we didn't even get the habitat bred before she had them bred or the habitat finished before she had them bred. So I think anger is very... <laughs> angry at that moment and yeah that's, that's fair that's I, fair yeah. and i told mark you know what I, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna rescue some animals i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it right and um so we started working on the paperwork it's time for interrupting 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 interrupting, interrupting john Hey, y'all, just wanted to duck in here and let you know that Mark has come up a couple times and will continue to come up in this interview. Mark is Bobby's husband and is her partner in crime in all of this amazing um, work that she's doing for these animals. Uh, Yeah, so just thought I'd let you know who Mark was, not just some rando that she found on the street. Well, actually, I don't know what their story is. I never asked. Maybe he was. But by this point, uh, he's her husband. So, yeah, not a rando anymore. Anyway, back to the interview. And then 2002... I got a call for some tigers and I spent hours and hours and hours on the phone trying to find these tigers at home and I couldn't. And that's when we took the first tigers here. Yeah. Wow. We didn't have nothing. This was a cow pasture. We built a 20, we had the fish and wildlife give us 30 days. So we had 30 days to get the permits, get the, go get the cats, cross all the state lines and come back here. So we built a 24 by 24 is what we started with because we only had 30 days. So, and then we've gone from there. That's astonishing. And um, since this is an audio podcast and, you know, there will be some pictures of the animals up on, on Instagram. But for those who um, who can't see this, who aren't sitting here right now, can you describe the property a little bit and what this place looks like and just how amazing the habitats are? Right. So we're in the Cleveland National Forest. So there's a lot of oak trees. It's kind of like ro- rolling meadows. Um, and so like the habitat that we're looking at, we call linking love and it has an actual beautiful vanishing edge pool that goes into a pond and kind of some rolling hills with rocks and lots of oak trees and then platforms and toys for the animals. It's about the one that we're looking at is about almost about two and a half acres. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a it's lot really of room pretty. and it's really pretty and, and it's right outside where you can stay the night. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Don't worry. We're going to be plugging that because this whole thing is pretty darn, pretty darn cool. But then, you know, a lot of these animals have been so badly beat up and abused that like we can't put all of our animals in there. It's too big for them. Right. So that we do have like Hank, the white tiger that I showed, that I showed you, he's 19 years old and he has his arthritis and his issues. So he has, his, you know, a lot much smaller place. Matter of fact, he's in the very first habitat we built. Oh, okay. It sure works out good for the geriatric animals. 
Yeah, and that's yeah. that's something I think, you know, people need to be aware of is the fact that different animals need different things. And yep. you might say that's too small for a tiger, but it's not too small for a tiger. First of all, actually, I don't even think it is too small for a tiger. But beyond <laughs> that, um, it's not as much room as, as Links of Love here. But um, he has he arthritis. Wouldn't be, he wouldn't be able to make this yeah, terrain no. anymore. That, yeah. And, yeah. and I think understanding that is really important. And that's cool that y'all do. That's, that's <laughs> I love it here. This is so cool. Um, yeah, so... Was it one of those things where you just at once you got the tigers, then you were hooked, and it's like, well, this is going to be a thing. And and how do you decide to to make it, um, you know, a business and to 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 make it your living and your life and dedicate your life to this? Well, I was pretty fortunate. I did this almost sixteen years without taking a salary. Wow! So okay. yeah. <laughs> And uh, in order to do this, you got to live it, breathe it, eat it, sleep it. It's 24-7. And, and, you know, we didn't have any employees to start. It was me and my sister and my friend. And um, we just started with one habitat and we've slowly gone up. We now have 19 staff and 100 volunteers. So we've definitely grown. And, yeah, so you got to have the passion. And I love that the young kids here have that passion. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great team here. I got to, I've seen more than a few as we were going through. And even when I first got here, I talked to a couple and they just, everyone just seems really happy to be here and, and not too stressed, which is not always the case with people who, who have, you know, animals under their care. And I'm sure there are moments. I love that the keepers, moments. like there's, there's nine of us that live here on site. And I mean, obviously we live together, work together and yet we're family. Like we, you know, you, you really, when you're at work, you sometimes spend more time with who you work with than your family, but they all love each other. And it's nice. A lot of love here. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> and, and so let's talk about that for a minute. Y'all live here. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Do y'all have a, an enclosure somewhere? I didn't see here. <laughs> <laughs> Upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's really yeah. cool. And so there, there's housing here and, and, it, and right. The guys right now are actually all in fifth wheel trailers. Okay. Y'all have fifth wheel trailers, nice. uh, but, where I showed you earlier, that's where we're um, starting to grade for our employee housing. So they'll actually, we're raising the funds right now to build that. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you find that makes it easier to to get and retain employees, knowing that they, they have a place to stay since it is for more the expensive keepers. than anything here? Yep, yeah, for sure. Especially in San Diego, it's so hard for them. And, you know, this isn't a, a profession that pays a lot of money. Nope. It, you've got to love what you do. They do this because they love the animals. And, yeah, so Mark and I, we try really hard to take really good care of them. That's awesome. I, I respect that so much. I, I'm sure you can tell from my voice and my stupid face, but I'm just really happy here. Um, this, this is so different than anywhere I've been. And look, I, I love zoos, good zoos, of course. And you know, we talked about that a little bit, but, um, but, but this is such a different vibe and it's very cool here. Um, and so if people are in the area and want to come here, um, talk a little bit about how you can see the place. And, and like you mentioned, spend some time here. Right. So we do what we call educational visits. So you just get online on our website, lionstigersandbears.org and sign up. And we do them only by appointment, only at certain times. They're Wednesday through Saturday and they're about two hours long where a trained volunteer or the keepers will take you around and introduce you to all the animals. And the rest of the time, it's pretty quiet around here. It's really peaceful and and then we do have some events, like we have a spooky camp over every year. It amazes <laughs> me how many kids have never been camping. 
Yeah, I'm just amazed. But they love it. It's a good family event. We have a third grade camp over. And then we have our Christmas party. That's where we give all the animals Christmas trees and Christmas presents. And then we have our big gala, which is in May, where we're always begging for auction items because we have a huge live and silent auction and food and entertainment, open house to the property, gift shop, things like that. That's our annual gala. Then, of course, you can stay the night. And we sell raffle tickets for this. So if you're um, if you can't afford it, you can always try to play the raffle and when to stay. Sometimes we'll do like dinner parties, weddings, whatever you know we can do here peacefully and raise money for the animals. And the the um, the housing for the the staying overnight. This is this is not um, a small trailer or camping or something. No, it's very nice. This is I, I want nice. to stay here. It's a gorgeous <laughs> place. It's. Um, I don't know. I'm not good at architecture, but it's very pretty. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Very. Those two bedrooms, one bath, a king bedroom and a queen bedroom. Both of the bedrooms open up to the jacuzzi and the pool. There's an outdoor kitchen, a fire ring, and you can go out on the patio where we're sitting and watch the animals. So lions, tigers, bears, and a jacuzzi. Oh mine, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Really pretty stars here at night. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, all right. So why don't we talk about some of the animals? Uh, I'd love to maybe let's start with some of the bears. Okay. And just tell me, you know, we can't hit everyone. We don't have the time. Right. But tell me some of them. Um, what I'd love to do with this is their story of how they were rescued. But then let's make sure that we also touch on what their life is like here and what their personality is like here to show the the contrast between the two. Okay. So um, let's see. Maybe Maddie. So Ohio. She came from Ohio. She lived in a corn crib and uh, on 11 acres uh, with a couple who lived in a mobile home with 11 kids. All right. So one day I got this frantic call from a girl. Oh my gosh, my bear's breaking out of her, out of her cage. And I didn't know what to do. So I backed my Bronco up to it so she can't get the gate (sighs) off. And now I can't move my Bronco. Can you come get her? (laughs) And I'm like, it's not funny, but I mean, how do you not laugh at the same time? Yeah. I'm like, well, number one, I'm in California and you're in Ohio. (laughs) That's a long ways. So anyway, we ended up, it took about a week to get there. But uh, and a Bronco stayed there the whole week. But we went and got Maddie, so she was a pet. And the girl ended up taking her because somebody had bought her as a pet for their kid. And then the bear started to get too big, and she didn't want the girl to take it to a sell it to a canned hunt ranch. So she took it as a pet. Eleven years. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, I'm still amazed sometimes where we find these animals: basements, garages tied to light posts and left there. It's amazing. And then we also have like a a bear out of the wild, a meatball. Uh, So meatball, the Glendale bear, he had 86,000 Twitter followers because he would come down to the trash cans and the fish and wildlife would dart him and catch him up, take him a couple, two, three hundred miles away. And he'd come back to the same exact trash cans on a Tuesday. So he in California, they get three strikes. They're allowed to, you know, come down to the public three times. Most times they'll put him down. But because of his media following. He got to come here. and Celebrities uh, always get special well, treatment. <laughs> mm-hmm. He got a Rose Bowl parade float <laughs> of him popping up out of the trash can. So he's a pretty famous bear. 
And then we have some pit bears, so like our grizzly bear and our Himalayan black bears, Teddy and Blue. They came from the pits. And if you don't know what the pits are, please don't go there. They're like cinder. They're complete cinder blocker concrete square. And the bears can't see out. They can only see the sky. They can only see up. And the public throws food down to them for a dollar or something. And they're always in breeding pairs. And then eight to ten days old, they pull the baby and put it up top for the photo ops. So don't do the photo ops and don't go to the pits. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, as, as a side note, uh, I, I was at a place that had a bear pit and I, um, it was before I knew any of this stuff. Uh, luckily they didn't do the cub petting thing, but, um, I remember seeing that and, and, and having it be like that moment of like, Oh, this is so cool. I get to feed. Wait a minute. <laughs> this feels wrong. And, um, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, I'm grateful that I've learned about the difference and, and grateful that you're here to educate people about the difference. Um, and just in general, how would you recommend? So, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of people feel a great connection to animals and love animals and want to have cool experiences with animals, not to hurt them, but because they want to have a cool experience with animals so in this day and age with all the tech we have and all the different stuff out there how do you recommend somebody figure out if an experience is okay or not right now i think if the sanctuary is accredited by a global federal association of sanctuary or american sanctuary association right now is really the only way so and you can just get on their websites and see that But um, I think the biggest thing is not just like if you're on vacation and driving by some roadside zoo, like do your homework first because then you're just supporting the problem. But know, like I said, know your animal, know why the animal's there. And the word conservation, be so careful. They try all these roadside zoos. They try to trick the public into, you know, oh, we're doing conservation. We're breeding the animals for conservation. If they're not AZA, they're not breeding for conservation because the AZA is the only um, organization that holds the breeding for the SSP, the Species Survival Plan. It's time for interrupting, 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 interrupting John again. Just thought I'd duck in here for a slight clarification. So it turns out that though the AZA is the organization that runs the SSPs and most of the breeding that happens for uh, the SSPs are at AZA facilities uh, with certain species, especially ones that they consider on their red list, the ones that are the most endangered, um, they'll actually partner with non-AZA facilities uh, to participate in the breeding just of those species. So, um, for instance, uh, you know, the good zoo has a red panda that is part of the SSP. And when they got it, they were completely not accredited. Now they are a part of the ZAA. Um, But Sarah Glass personally went and inspected the zoo and decided that they were a good place and would take good care of this animal. And um, because of that, was able to make it happen. So there are weird little instances like that. And I know we've talked about some on the podcast, which is why I felt the need to dive in here because I don't want to confuse anybody. But yeah, I mean, obviously the vast, 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 vast majority of breeding that happens for SSPs uh, is is done at AZA facilities. But there are those exceptions and we have talked about them. And I'm rambling and repeating myself. So back to the interview. And, you know, I, I'm so happy to hear you say that. I'm sure a lot of my my listeners, because this is mostly zoos that we do here, though we do do other stuff, yeah. um, were wondering, you know, oh, is this is this going to be an anti-zoo type thing and stuff? But you, you actually have a great relationship with San Diego Zoo and the Safari Park and stuff right. and, and do support 
that kind of thing again as long as it's accredited and as long as it's good. Right. All right. Yep. And um, <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, how many animals have you rescued? I have moved well over 800, 900 lions, tigers, bears, cougars. Sheesh. Yeah. Um, we worked on, uh, in Ohio, we worked on one of the bills. In Ohio, it used to be legal to own anything. Yes. Anything. And they had the most exotic animal auctions. So when we finally got SB 310, the state law through to make it illegal to have them as pets, um, I moved, I had the contract to move all the animals for the state. So some of them came here and then to different sanctuaries across the country. So we have a full, full hauler. It's completely self-contained, so you can walk away from it, and it keeps the temperature for the animals. It'll alert you if the generator goes off. It'll, you can read the temperature inside, and it has onboard anesthesia, first aid for animals, first aid for people, all the capture equipment. We can do medical in the field. A lot of times when we go get these animals, they've never had any medical. Right. And right. we're doing their first physical you know, if we have to knock them down to get them out, we're doing their first physical right out in the field. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So in general, and I know, you know, it's going to be specific for every animal, but in general, how much and and how quickly and stuff do you see the behaviors change um, once an animal gets here? So every animal is different and um, it can take, you know, Anywhere from a month to a couple of years. That's the sad thing. So like Sugar Bear, one of our bears, uh, we moved about 33 animals from one facility that was going broke. And he was the only bear. And so we had to make multiple trips across the country to move all the animals. But the last load, he was in the front of the hauler. And every time we'd open up the door, he was just happy as could be. He'd eat anything we gave him. I mean, he acted like nothing was happening. And then we got here. We put him in the quarantine. So every animal goes into quarantine at least 30 days. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good opportunity to have them in a smaller area. They get to know their keepers. They get to know the routine, how to shift, how, what's going to happen while they're here. He did great. No problems. And then here, every bear, when we move them into their permanent habitat, has their own bedroom. So we'll put them in their bedroom for at least seven days. Then they know that's their bedroom and their place. Well, when the seven days was up and we opened up the door for Sugar Bear to go out, he panicked. Like the door was open. He didn't know what to do. He started pacing for the first time. So we just slow back down, open the door for an hour a day, two hours a day, half a day, the whole day. The door's open forever. And then he would finally, he would reach out and touch the dirt, but he wouldn't go out. And then one day we looked over and he he was sitting out like a little kid playing in sandbox because he'd never touched dirt before. The bear, had <laughs> ne he's eight years old, never touched dirt. Wow. So, and then now he's all over his three acre habitat. But it's funny, it just takes time. Yeah. A bear that's never been on dirt. It's just, what's wrong with people? That's truly astonishing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's so cool to hear that, you know, you see such a marked difference, though. Um, and then I guess part of the behavior thing, too, and, and, you know, if there is a positive to the fact that a lot of rescued animals are coming from pet situations or situations they shouldn't be in, it's that a lot of them actually do like people, right? Yeah. And even though y'all are hands off here, there are still really good relationships built and they get excited about the people that come here and stuff, right? Yep. And we have that problem too when they've been raised in the house and they've never been outside, then you've got to wean them off of that mm -hmm. and they've got to go outside. They have to learn how to learn, live like a tiger. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to get to be 500 pounds or 400 pounds, you know, so we have that problem too. That's really interesting. Um, and then since y'all are hands off, um, 
do you do any training other than like you were saying, like the, the acclimating, I guess I would call it to the area. Right. So we do, we don't really call it training, but it's positive reinforcement and it's more for their care. Mm -hmm. So like all of our animals are conditioned to go in their bedrooms. So they'll go right down in their bedrooms and be locked in. That way the keepers can get out safely in their habitat, clean vacuum and clean their pools and spread out their food and hide their toys and just clean everything up. And then they're also uh, conditioned to go into transfer cages. So the transfer cages are hooked up for emergencies, like if we have to evacuate for fire or uh, get them up to the surgery room for medical. It's just good that they're all conditioned to go in there. And then to push that just a little bit further, some of them we have where we'll um, we're touching them within those cages and they have what we call a squeeze, which restrains them. So we can give them shots and we can draw blood and do different things. Like, for example, Blue, our bear, has to have eye drops twice a day. So one keeper will give him peanut butter in the jar and the other people per, keeper will squirt the drops in there. So he's conditioned to get eye drops in his eyes. And um, we're working on one cat getting his blood drawn from his tail inside the squeeze cage. So only for things like that. Cool. That yeah. makes a lot of yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And because knocking them down under anesthesia is very dangerous. Yes. So the most that we can do in a non-stressful, just like you and I, then you don't have to be knocked out. It's much mm -hmm. better. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so that's that's really cool to hear. That makes me really happy. Um, I want to talk about some of the cats here. Okay. Because the cats here blow my mind. Um, <laughs> holy cow. So tell me about... I don't know, pick some. There were so many good ones that, that we, we, we got to see. Right. So we saw Mocha and Nola, which are the white and orange tiger. Mocha uh, was caught coming over the San Diego border. They were trying to sneak him across the border on the floorboard of the car. So he actually originally went to the San Diego Zoo. Of course, he doesn't fit into the SSP plan or their conservation breeding. So he gets to come here to live out his life. And then uh, Nola was from New Orleans, hence the name Nola. And she came from a rap star who was literally beating up babies and putting it on YouTube, kicking them and punching them. And why? Like, like, why? Like, I know that cool, you don't really know, but how, it, how is that a thing? Okay, like, so ugh. explain this. This person has gotten in trouble for a drive-by shooting as a minor, tried to kill his best friend as a minor, crossed the endangered species, Nola, crossed the state lines and was abusing an endangered species as a minor and has still never done a day in jail. Actually, as an adult with, with Nola and still never done a day in jail. So I, I have no explanation. That's it just disgusts me. That's Look so at disgusting. Tiger King Jeff Lowe. Oh, yeah, He's still out of jail. Explain yep. that to me. No, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Either. I don't like it. Um, but yeah, so but, many so tell nights me about I them, can't though. sleep, oh, like just thinking. And it takes years to get these animals. You can't just walk in and take somebody's animals. They're still property. So, like, I had one case I was working on for like six years. The guy had five tigers in his garage, and they were in the biggest cage was ten by ten, and then he had this little outdoor like. I don't know, ten by twelve. So, and he had six bears. So we talked him into. This is in Ohio. Why don't you let us take the bears? Because he didn't really care for the bears. We'll take them to a sanctuary. We will get you materials to build a bigger place for your tigers. And we'll help you get that grandfathered in on the new law so your tigers can live out their life here. So we got materials. We dumped them on his property. Well, 
I went and testified for SB 310 at the time, and he got all mad because I was helping to change the laws, which was going to make it illegal for him to have his cats the way he had them. And he, so he never would let us go and, and, and build the cage. But the best birthday present I got was like 5.30 in the morning. My text was just going off, and I look at it, and it's like, F you and all these nasty things. And I'm like, happy birthday to me because the state was there taking his tigers finally but it took like six years and it took that law going through and if the law wouldn't have went through the tigers would still be there right also props for trying to get them a better habitat like working within the confines of the law to make their lives better rather than doing anything stupid or illegal or causing, you know, trouble. I, I'm actually really impressed by that. Um, I think that's really cool that you you just tried to make their lives better there because yep. that's what you had to do at the time. And then you testified for a law and got it changed <laughs> and won, which is even better. But like, that's such a cool story. Like, hey, we'll trade you the bears to make your tiger lives better. That's we actually really cool. tried to help quite a few people in Ohio so they would have been able to keep their animals after the law. And we would have been, if he would have cooperated, he would have got to keep his tigers. We would have been successful with him. And then there was one other guy, his name is Cy, that we helped. And he still has his animals. He's a, a rehabilitation there. Okay. So sometimes we can work with people. Sometimes yeah. we can't. It <laughs> just depends if they're willing to try and if they're willing to do what you try to help them do. Right, right. That's really interesting. Like I never insurance. Thought of that. Like you have to have insurance. Oh, I'm not buying insurance. I'm like, well, then you shouldn't have a tiger. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty fair. Pretty yep. fair. I'm sure tiger insurance ain't cheap, but you have to have it. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so tell me about the two uh, tigers you were talking about, though. Um, what are their personalities like? And, and... Mocha and Nola? Yeah, Mocha oh, and Nola. Over there, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Nola is the boss, and Mocha does everything. She says he gets to eat when she says it's okay. And of course we separate them for their main diet. But like when we're giving him the snacks or we spread some food, oh, Nola, she's definitely the boss. <laughs> Even when it comes to enrichment, she'll go run out there and grab something. And as soon as Mocha comes over, she's like, okay, you, if he wants it, she he can't have it. But if he walks away, then she'll go get the other one. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's They're adorable. Funny. They're really cute too. And he's really kicked back and pretty lazy and she's very active like she's always playing and running even by herself she's very yeah that's cool and she has the room to do it so So they're they're very dog-like in that manner they all have a different personality Mm -hmm. yep yeah very cool (laughs) um when um when guests come sometimes they get to see snacks and stuff and we got to see that with um with, with nola um so what is what is that experience like uh, I think for the people who come here, they love it because how often do you get to get three foot from a lion or a tiger or, you know, four foot? And... Yeah. And they do. It's um, like, can you describe what the the snack feeding is like? Yeah. So the keepers, cool. the keepers have like a four foot fork and they can reach it through the fence and all the animals know the keepers have the snacks. And so, of course, they always want to come up and visit and get a snack. And yeah, usually it's just cut up beef, chicken, and pork with lots of supplements on it. Nice. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool to see, and they get very <laughs> excited about it. Yeah. Um, so we did we did some uh, some tigers. Let's talk about some lions. Okay. So the two that we saw in here in Linking Love, they came from Louisiana, okay. and the state had called me, and they were having problems with the facility that had no per- no outside fencing no perimeter fence their cages were like zip tied together very dangerous they were afraid that something was going to escape and they were pulling up school buses for a dollar a kid 
So the state was, of course, flipping out. And so uh, it was funny because then the girl called me for help. We were already planning on going there. And then she called for help. So we actually went there with the intention of helping them reinforce their fences and spay and neuter. They didn't know how to spay and neuter. They didn't know how to build shifts, like where you bring your animals into lock so your keepers can get in. So that was the plan. But then when we were leaving, like the day we were leaving, she called and said, hey, I got to tell you one more thing because you call every day. I got to tell you one more thing. I got to tell you one more thing. <laughs> so the one more thing was I have three lions, baby lions that I pulled out of a habitat and they're hiding in my bathroom. So, oh my God, we went to Louisiana. We brought the three lions back with us, but we did stay there first and help them spay neuter. The deal was that the state was going to let them keep their existing animals. They couldn't breed anymore. They couldn't bring any more. The ones that were there, if they could make the cages safe, would just spend their life there. But they got in more trouble after, and we ended up back. And then right when we were getting ready to try to place their animals, they snuck them all out in the middle of the night. What the hell? Yeah. What? Which is really, really typical. But at least these three lions, they've been here 17 years now, and they have they have led a really good, spoiled life. We just lost Bakari about three weeks ago. So the girls were a little sad for about a week, but they're doing really good now. And those two really love each other. They'll, they'll <laughs> lay next to each other and play with each other. And getting to see that was really cool. Wow. The the stories that you're telling and all of this. And then they snuck their animals out at the end. And yeah, we were totally going to build this enclosure for the guy and he didn't let us. I, my mind is blown. I, I'm curious, from your experience, and I know that this is going into the realm of hypothesizing, but whatever. Um, would you say that most people that that have exotic animals and that are doing this kind of thing are doing it because they're evil, bad not good, whatever you want to call it, or would you say that they are just like misguided and, and you know, you buy a baby alligator without thinking about the fact that it's going to become an adult alligator, something like that. Like what is the percentage that, that you encounter, would you say, of like, I'm just going to say it, like assholes versus just honestly like, oh, I bought a baby tiger because there was an ad saying I could buy a baby tiger and I want it, like baby tigers are cute, you know? Right. What's the percentage, would you say? I think 50-50. So the ones that are trying to run a business, they're they're the dangerous ones because they breed so many animals and so many animals are disappearing that we don't even know where they go or how many there are. But then the other ones are the ones that get them as a pet. They're way in over their head. They don't know what to do. You know, they they bring them home. They don't even have a cage. Right. You know, and they grow so fast, 10 pounds a month. So, And then I think, but really, you should know not to go buy a lion or tiger. You but, should. You yeah. should. No, of course you should. But I'm most just, of them you know, have good intentions. Okay. And then when they know they're over their head, they only want to do the right thing. Right. But the other ones, they'll fight you to the end because they don't want you to shut down their business. And these people who do the photo ops, they make a lot of money. And the sanctuaries are the ones, we're the ones that clean up the mess. So like when I first started this in the, in the later 90s, these photo op people would just dump all these animals to the sanctuaries. Well, that didn't last long because the sanctuaries fill up. They can't afford to take any more animals because right. they're out making all the money and then they're dumping these expensive animals on the sanctuaries. So then the sanctuaries kind of have started to expose all of this to the public. Well, then now they're mad because they're getting exposed. And so they, the I would say the bad guys are better than the good guys at working together. So they've really gone underground and they're really good at communicating with 
each other and working together and sneaking the animals across the state lines. And it's, it's really hard. And it's really aggravating because I really thought it was getting better before Tiger King. I thought we were actually making some progress. But with all the drama TV, yeah, it, it's not doing us any good. Nope. And now TikTok and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I constantly see – I'll have people send me videos. Not knowing, again, knowing that I'm an animal person and, you know, oh, here's a, a animal, you know, here's a primate dressed as a human sitting on someone's shoulder. Isn't that adorable? And I'm like, oh, you're getting a lecture from John. You didn't mean to. And, and I appreciate them sending it to me because, A, then I can report it. And, B, um, you know, then they can be informed. But they're not doing it out of any reason other than John Rossi loves animals. Here is a cute animal. I'm going to make John's day better. And then half an hour later, they've learned about the problems with that and have been told to report it. And I'm reporting it. And yeah, it's it's a thing. I do think it's kind of cool that like social media, it's this weird thing where like it's increasing the demand for that kind of thing. But it's also giving us the ability people to to report it and to complain and to like like you mentioned, the the rap star that that um, had the tiger um, was doing it. In public, like on like YouTube, yep. and it was very easy to say, "Hey, like it was this okay, like yeah. it's okay, yeah, yeah." So I guess that is a positive, at least. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, completely effed up. Situation. Sometimes we can find if we have a cat. You know, I don't think people know like tigers. Their stripes are like fingerprints, mm-hmm. and you know the jaguars and the leopards. Their their spots identify them. Sometimes by the social media pictures, we can figure out where cats, whose cats are whose, and where they come from. Yeah, that's actually amazing. Very cool. Uh, so what other cats do you have here? We've talked about some lions and some tigers. And you do have additional lions and tigers beyond these, but right. we can't talk about everyone even though <laughs> I want to. So we uh, have servals. Yes. Uh, African lions, white lion, uh, white tiger, orange tiger, um, bobcats, cougar, grizzly bear, Himalayan bear. American black bear, but then we even have like horses, miniature donkey, miniature horse, macaw, salcata tortoise, goat, llama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any animals, domestic cats. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Um, and um, leopard, jaguar. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 All the good stuff. Yeah. All the good stuff. So you said uh, leopard and jaguar. And, leopard and uh, jaguar. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell me about those kitties. Uh, the leopard came, uh, well, so the jaguar is a federal case, so we can't really talk about, you know, where he came from in his case until the case is solved, which should be pretty quick. And the leopard came from Texas from a breeder. She's actually been here since she was three weeks old. So it's not real often we always get babies, but we usually get the older cats, but she's about 17 now. And that breeder was also able to keep her cat. She wasn't allowed to breed anymore. And same thing, we spayed and neutered for her and they most of her cats were old and did live out most their life so you said that sanctuaries in general um or not in general but good sanctuaries true sanctuaries don't breed at all um is it all spay and neuter or do you ever use birth control Um, or well it's all for me it's all spay and neuter but species specific so like with the lions we do the females okay with the bears we do the males and it just depends yeah I'm curious. With the just, bobcats, we do both. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Do you, is there still a lot of like breeding behavior once animals are spayed and neutered? I mean, I with know with the lions, are, yes. You know. Okay. Still, I know people. Guys, they're. Dead. I said, no, no, no. They're spayed. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was just curious with like yeah. different species. I didn't know, you know, how that works. But 
That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> cool. Very good. Um, so the females, like the yeah. female tigers, we um, actually liposcopically spay them. Nice. So it's just a teeny little, little, you know, incision and pretty easy on them. That's that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And and so tell me about your vet situation because it's kind of cool and, and there's a lot right. going on. Actually, we're trying to hire a part-time vet right now, another one. And we've got about nine different vets that we work with. We have one head vet. We And our one of our head vets right now is actually moving up to the Oakland Zoo. So that's why we're hiring another vet. But like these guys, they have dentists. They have a skin doctor. They have an eye doctor. And, you know, one vet to do anesthesia. So they're pretty spoiled. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, they have better medical care than I do. I don't know what to do about that fact. Yeah. Um, do you find that a lot of vets are willing to, to work with y'all to get the exotic experience and to help out the cause and such? There's a lot of people that want to learn to work around the exotics. Yeah. yeah. So we have the interns to the students. And okay. It's nice. That's really cool. This place is awesome. I <laughs> like it here. Um, so how can people who are hearing this story help you help the animals? Um, of course you can donate and you can come and visit. Um, even things like sharing on your social media, following us helps. Um, you can come to the gala auction items, volunteer, spend the night at this amazing place. <laughs> I want to spend the night. Here. <laughs> I want to spend tonight here. I wonder if I can send my understudy in. Get know. married <laughs> here. You could get married here. <laughs> nice. Have a corporate event, things like that. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Very cool. Because we are non nonprofit. Right. Right. Yep, yep. I love. I love. I love everything about what you're doing here. I really do. Thank this you. Is so cool. Thank you. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show, but there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, "Oh no!" It's time for the Rossifari poop story. Um. Okay. Ohio. I, I honestly don't think I saw one appropriate habitat with all the animals that I helped the state move in Ohio. Amazing. And uh, the person who I was telling you about with the five tigers and the six bears, when we moved to six bears, he had six bears living in a 15 by 30. Uh, the one bear, Ben, couldn't stand up. Aww. He was tall. And actually, all of the bears, Ben was the only, take that back. Ben could stand up. All the rest couldn't stand up. Okay. So when we go move bears, we uh, always try to coax them into our transfer cages before we dart them. We try not to dart or put animals down under anesthesia unless we have to. So it took us all day, but we got five of the bears in and we couldn't get the sixth bear. Well, the way he had built this cage, he had no gates that could open and no way to move the animals. So he would literally stand on top of this chain link and shake the food through the top of the chain link fence. And then the only way he could clean was to hose out so i'm sure you can imagine it was like a couple feet deep of sludge wow. and we tried and tried and tried for the whole next day and couldn't get the other bear so we finally had to dart her and of course she went down in all the way in the corner in the mud so me and sam had to walk in the, in the whatever that was <laughs> that bear poop Years and, of poop. Yeah, yeah get get her up on a sling and get we were just it was it was disgusting, but we got her and got her in the transfer cage and got hosed off with the hose and yeah, Amazing. will not forget that smelly day and like that smell doesn't go away for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. gotta would, do what you gotta do sometimes. I would imagine that on those rescue missions, hoses must be your favorite thing ever. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah it gets pretty filthy. Yeah, it amazes me they don't know how to clean, so they're they're living in filth. Yeah. 
Actually, before we go, one quick other thing um, that you had mentioned with the bear pits. If you see bear pits, they don't go in and clean those. Tell, tell me what, what they do. Tell so me they have an alley underneath where the people walk, and they literally have like a fire hose with pressure where they're just hosing down the concrete floor, and it's kind of on a slope, so the water runs back toward them and drains out. But it's bleach water. So um, they're walking on and inhaling the the mixed bleach water. I'm pretty convinced the one grizzly bear that we had here, he was here a good six years. He had a really good life here, but he had throat and sinus cancer, and that's what he died of. I'm pretty positive that it's from inhaling that darn bleach. They're all day long. They're hosing that out because they're so afraid of someone showing up and it being dirty. That that's their. It's not good. Not it's good. not good. Yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, this has been probably the most emotional episode for me I've ever done. Hearing these stories kills me. But the beauty of it is seeing, having seen how content and well taken care of all the animals are here now. So, so Bobby, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you for helping us. Absolutely. You know, oh, thank you. The more people who know they won't go to those roadside places, the better. Thank you. Thanks. All right. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a journey. And, you know, I did initially think of editing the podcast so that, um, that last bit wasn't the last bit and we ended on the happier, sillier note, but nah, I wanted to, I wanted to end this properly in the right tone of, of, what it is like, you know, and why we need sanctuaries. So uh, I did. Um, now, you can check out lions, tigers, and bears by uh, going to at lions, tigers, underscore, and bears. And that's where you're going to find them on the Insta and Facebook and such. Or hit them up online at www.lionstigersandbears.org. So, uh, yeah, this is a really, really awesome place. And I highly recommend that you go and check out all of the awesome work that they're doing. And, frankly, all of the ridiculously adorable animals that you'll get to see on their socials and such. I'd like to take a minute to remind you all that I do have a Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash rossafari. Um you can start for as little as $3 a month to support the podcast, and uh, you can go as high as my Red Panda-level patron, Laura Shank, um, who I, I, I love for supporting the pod so heavily and also gets her name said every week, just like that, only usually less awkwardly, but... I'm tired. I'm recording this at one o'clock in the morning. So, you know, whatever. But anyway, I want to thank y'all for being here. I want to thank y'all for uh, listening to the stories of these animals. And remember, if they touched you, you can reach out and, um, you know, make a donation to lions, tigers, and bears. It's such a worthwhile sanctuary. Uh, and last thing I guess I, that I have to say is uh, remember, friends, the word credits backwards is Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. 
Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.